I've always stayed authentic to me. You know, my accent stays the same. But I think it was when I would pronounce words that I thought were correct and they would go, oh, you don't say it like that, you say it like this. So I am here today on the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast with a very inspiring lady. This is someone that I've met in the last six months, actually, who just stood out. The minute I met Sasha Covington, I knew I had to have her on this podcast. So Sasha is the Chief Operating Officer for the Valuation Advisory Team at Jones Lang LaSalle, otherwise known as JLL. <laughs> Welcome, well Sasha. Done. Well done. Who said it? <laughs> Oh my God, what a mouthful, what a mouthful, especially in my northern Mancunian tones. But lovely to see you, Sasha. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you so much. And lovely to be here at home because we're not in a pandemic. It's a train strike. <laughs> Who knew? You know, it's just as well we were set up to work from home three years ago and now we're using the same facilities in, as, as we go for a train strike. Anyway, I know, I know. Thank you. We were planning on doing this face to face. It's always really nice to do it face to face, but yeah, unfortunately, the uh, the train situation got the better of us. But here we are. We've persevered anyway, so that's really really great. But listen, Sasha. Obviously, I've got to know a little bit about your story. And um, people that are listening or maybe watching on YouTube, they might not know so much about your uh, your background. So give us a quick canter through, if you don't mind, Sasha. Then we're going to get stuck into. Oh my God, we're going to talk real estate. We're going to be talking diversity inclusion. Being a woman in business oh my god we're going to cover the whole shebang but give us the give us the plotted story Sasha if you don't mind yeah, of course and um, firstly thank you so much for uh for inviting me I am nervous I've got to say all of these interviews and any panel work I, I kind of start thinking I don't know if I can get through this but I'm going to give it give it a best shot but the one thing I do know is my story so we should we should be good on that um yeah so Sasha Covington I um kind of I'm from a, a, a Slightly different family, I think, from most. You know, my I grew up there's four siblings, so I've got two two brothers and one sister, and a mum and dad. And throughout our childhood, they my my parents had their own demons, really, around alcoholic. You know, the alcoholics and and also drug addictions were in there as well. We were all of us were brought up in quite an abusive um, household, whether that be physical or mental. So, and we are talking in the seventies as well. So we we didn't have the social kind of the social care that we probably would have had we been growing up in this in this age um yeah I kind of went to school I went to several different schools because we moved around quite a bit as as children and left school at 16 virtually no education and um I like school but didn't really didn't really get on there I think I didn't settle down I had lots of kind of stuff going on at home and lots of you know negativity going at home it kind of did distract me at school so left school at 16 I wasn't unable you know I wasn't able to stay on and my parents made it very clear you get a job we need the money you you have to start work and so um, my drama my drama teacher at the time um, who kind of understood my home situation and um, put me forward for a, a an office junior job in a building surveying company in Waterloo so off I go and I, I get the job and I couldn't believe it. I stayed there 10 years as this office junior. Um, well, I didn't stay in office junior. Um, I worked with two two other building surveyors and and, a, and another secretary who is still a really, really good friend of mine today. She's godmother to my children. And she almost taught me some of the right and wrongs of life that I didn't get from, from growing up in that unstable family unit. From there, I moved on to um, Lambeth of Hampton, where I was a secretary um, in the building surveying company again, and then got the opportunity. I always wanted to work at Jones Lang Wootton. That's what it was called then. I always wanted to. Some of the um, some of my colleagues that I worked with at LSH, Lambeth Hampton, had gone there, and they said what a great firm it was. They had a library, they had a canteen, they had a fish tank in the reception. I'm like, all these things I want to go and experience. When I got the opportunity. Um, to go and work there, I kind of left LSH, took the opportunity. I think I was 28 then, so I've been there 25 years this year. Um, so I started there as a um, team secretary in the evaluation team, where I still am today. Yeah, and then kind of sat in that seat for quite a few years, not really wanting to progress. But one thing I did realise, because I, I don't have an education as such, um, is what 
what an education can bring. I, I was working with people that I, I didn't recognize in my own life. Um, it was very, very white, no women. Um, there was definitely no, you know, I'm from Brixton. There was there's, there's not one person of color in there. And I remember kind of walking in the first couple of weeks going, where 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 have they hidden all the black people where have they gone like i was just wasn't used to this environment which is so white and so so posh really from my in, in, from my point of view and kind of stayed there and then realized probably two or three years in that some of the bad behavior or some of the things i'd heard now you are talking 25 years ago the world is different now we know that um I, I really wanted to make a difference. I wanted to see people that spoke like me, talk like me. Not that, you know, I wanted to see more colour. There was clearly, there was just, an, I, you know, I've got family who are gay. There was no, there no one who was openly gay. I didn't see any of that. I kind of sat, sat there and thought, I wonder if, I just wonder if someone like me can get on the board. And, uh, yeah, and that was really early on in my career at JLL. I just thought, I wonder if I can do it. I know, I know, I have to work really hard. I know I have to kind of observe, observe and watch and see this bad behaviour and make mental notes of it. And when I get there, I am there is not going to happen. If I ever get to the top, it's never going to happen. And that's kind of I stayed there, worked all the way through. I've cried a lot. I've had tantrums. I've chiselled my way. I've been rejected. You know, I wanted to leave, and then I became CEO. And then these Scrabble letters, to me, they just, I'm not a different person to when I was even at 16. I'm, you know, these Scrabble letters just opened uh, loads of doors for me. And, I, you know, I'm talking to you now. I've got opportunities to talk on panels where, had I not had, had this title, I don't think those doors would open, which is sad, really, because everyone has a story, yeah? No matter where, mm. where you sit in a firm, everyone has a story, and I just get this opportunity. And I didn't put myself in this position to be this person who kind of always talks about DNI and has a passion, a real passion for change. These opportunities have come to me because of the... because doors have opened exactly like this talk now. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, there is so much to chat about, Sasha, seriously. But um, we're going to talk We're going to talk all about the career journey, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to talk about, I suppose, you know, how your early years and your formative years has influenced you through that journey as well. Um, one of the things that I just wanted to go back to that you know because you were saying about school and and one of the things that I love about your story is that you know your absolute testament that you don't have to have had a formal you know education and followed a certain path to get on in the world and to make a difference and to make an impact actually um you know and and it's not around you know education comes in all shapes and forms doesn't it actually you know university of life often experience is far far better than than a formal education but you know when you were like obviously you had a lot going on at home as you, as you said and and at school yeah, did you were you rebellious at school? Did you were you quiet at school? What was your kind of reaction with stuff that's going on at home, and then actually translating that into the classroom, which can often be quite um, rigid in a way. I think certainly back in the seventies when we were at school, yeah. you know, there was one way. There was no flexibility. There wasn't a lot of support. You either followed the curriculum and fitted in, or, or kind of you were done for, really. So, how did that play out for you with the, the sort of early years at school? I think I was probably quieter in primary school, but I think when I got to secondary school, you know, all all teenagers go through that those life changing things, and I'm I'm no different from that. I think I was I was a chatterbox. I think if you read my school report, she would do well if she stopped talking. I think that still. I think if I had my appraisal that way, it would still say that. Um, you know, she's almost a class clown, but. No, I, 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 knew, I knew the difference in that the people that I hung out with, you know, their family lives were very, very different from mine. We were growing up, we wouldn't really have friends over. We, we just wouldn't have done that. My parents definitely wouldn't have allowed it. Um, but no, I just think I was, uh, no, I didn't have an ambition. I didn't have a family home that would have said, you will do this. You know, you need to do that. My, you know, my, 
my parents are, you have to go to work. We need the money. And that's why you've got to go to work. I'm having left school at 16. Um, I kind of fell into that, as I said, that um, team, the kind of junior role. I actually, I, I had my first child at 18. So I was that, that, um, that child that went home and said, I'm pregnant, which was, yeah, which was, which was, I look back on it now and think, oh, how brave. And, and I had my, my, my son at, at 19. Yeah, that, that was life changing as well. And still living at home in that environment and just trying to decide, do I want to bring this child up in, in an environment? And I, you know, I'm still with my husband now. So we, we made, we've got, we got a second child. And so my, my son now is 32. I can't believe it. <laughs> and my daughter's 28. So, and I went to an all girls school as well. So I don't know if that was a, having a child so early was, probably related to not having any contact with boys at all no I was I was a class clown didn't shut up that was me yeah was that a cover do you think a way to fit in in that environment and sort of being I think there was a lot I went to school in Brixton so there was there was a lot of there was a lot of children in very similar situations to me yeah you know social mobility problems you know not enough money at home I mean as I got to secondary school it was the early 80s so I, I was around people who who were going through very similar struggles as me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, it is. I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast just on that that topic alone, couldn't we? You know, in sort of those those early formative years. So when you got into, you know, when you got into the world of work, um, and and you've obviously gone into an industry that, as you said, you know, you've said a few times, it's it's typically more male dominated as an industry anyway. Um, and back then, like you know, not just male dominated, but real lack of diversity um, in terms of gender, you know, social mobility, um, sexual mm-hmm. orientation, colour, etc. Um, so it must have been, you know, quite a. Uh, quite a, a stiff environment to be in to a certain degree and the role that you are in you know as, as sort of a admin secretary that kind of support role you know did you did you we did you find yourself sort of on the on the at the end of sort of the butt of jokes and banter and all that stuff because I think like you said bad behavior in the office used to go on a lot. I mean I used to get it as well you know so yeah I, 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 I don't think it's 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 necessarily unique to one industry but almost that was acceptable it was like well go and make the tea love oh no you can't talk about it you know what I mean this is this is this is a man yeah. this is men's work and you need to be mm-hmm. over there barefoot naked and in the kitchen was it that kind of environment I think it was I think it was I think for me, it was around how I spoke. So my English wasn't great, probably still isn't, to be fair. But I've ne- I've always trained, I've always stayed authentic to me. Yeah. You know, my accent stays the same. But I think it was when I would pronounce words that I thought were correct and they would go, oh, you don't say it like that, you say it like this. And um, that, that was always embarrassing. All my holidays, well, I didn't really have holidays. We couldn't afford it. I had two young children when I arrived at JLL. So there was no way I was having holidays and kind of, looking at their holidays or they would all go sort of skiing or they'll go to Barbados, the Caribbean. And I'm like, oh, I'd, like I'd book a week's off holiday and be at home and just basically lie yeah. <laughs> and, and just just try and cover up that I didn't, I'd like, and I'd, I'm not saying I didn't fit in. I did fit in. It's just, I was just in this really weird environment looking around people just going, why are they acting like that? Or why, why do they always have to go skiing together? Or like I don't know, there was just really weird situations. Um, there wasn't there as the only women um, when I arrived in in I, I ended up in I, I started at JLL was the secretaries. I think there was one other woman actually, Valua. Um, other than that, they they were all men. I didn't find that weird at the time, to be fair, because that's how it was. And I do remember firstly when when other women started to arrive, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. There's more women like. And you could have like they and they wanted to talk to me because I was a secretary. The men didn't really want to engage with me because I wasn't a because sec- I was a secretary. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, a good really, really big turning point is when we started hiring black and Asian uh, surveyors. I was like, oh, all right, this is this is looking a little bit more colourful. This is where we should be. But it did take many, many years for it to look like that. Mm-hmm. Many what was the catalyst for that then for the organization do you think you know actually was it just that they they woke up and smelt smelt the coffee and realized actually having diverse 
boards and teams, you get better results, quite frankly? Um, or was it that there was sort of almost like an expectation, well, we best do something because we've got to be seen to be doing something? I think most companies are like that. Mm. I do. I, I don't think real estate is, you know, real estate is not the only industry that has lack of women, lack of diversity. I think most industries do. So this isn't just directed at real estate. No. I just think that the perception is that real estate is almost kind of public school, pinkering fingers. Um, but I, I think it just, we never really, I don't think, from, from where I was sitting at that point, there was no conscious decision. I also believe that the women and ethnicity were never attracted at university or even at school age to go into real estate. Most people talk about real estate, think it's estate agents, you know, it's shop front. I mean, it's there's so many arms and legs to real estate. No matter what you want to do in life, there will be a job, whether you want to do marketing, HR, you know, architecture, planning, all of that, you will find that in real estate. But I don't think there was any attraction or any drive from our industry to go into universities and schools to say, look, this is a sort of career. And when they arrive, they don't there is no one like them so that they, they find it harder. And now that there is a big drive, I don't mean the, the drive is about getting into schools, getting into universities and saying, look, this is such a great industry to work in, mm-hmm. you know, we work, rest and play in every every asset, don't we? So every everything we do, we touch real estate. And to be a part of that is just amazing. But I think the challenge is, and not only for real estate, but for other industries, is that you can attract as many women as you want and you can go and attract as many um, ethnicity as you want, but it's keeping them. How do you keep them? And, you know, for women, women don't tend to go in real estate because they kind of think they've got to work at a shop front. There's more than that. But getting them back from mat leave is really hard. and we can't change biology. You know, women are going to leave and have babies. And in some circumstances, women are going to leave and have babies and have cesareans, which is a real serious operation. And it's going to take them out. They're going to be longer. And I think that to me is another area where we we should really be focusing on as well is how we retain people. You can, you know, our graduate scheme, you can say, okay, let's have 50-50 gender. Let's have much more percentage on the ethnicity. And they come to JLL or they come to a to a firm and you've got to have the absolute stable training upskilling for these people that do feel different and are struggling mm-hmm. for, for men and women mat leave as well you know when, when you go on maternity leave your career is paused it has not stopped you know you have a yeah. five ten year business plan I'm only off for a year <laughs> like what does I what where do I fit when I come back and I always encourage you know, those people about to go on maternity or paternity leave, because rightly so, that's offered to, to to men as well, is have that conversation before you leave to say, you know, when I come back, this is what is my, I don't know how I'm going to come back. I don't know when I'm coming back, but you have a plan, a business plan. And where do I fit into that? Can we have like, start thinking about my objectives? What would, you know, where do you see me? And I want to come back and I want to come back with a bang. And it's really hard coming back. I speak to so many women coming back from maternity leave because the the department and the firm looks so different after a year. You just forget, particularly if you've got graduates that are rotating in and out. You know, leadership could change. The project you're working on has changed. It's finished. There's a new project. And you come back and you're almost a new starter with these fears. I don't know where, where to navigate. But everyone else who worked with you is like, oh, lovely to see you. And they, and they just think business is normal. So I always make a really, really, a really big effort or keep in contact with with those mums and dads that are coming back into the workplace. Make sure those kit kit days are implemented. They have those days that they can come in and just see, you know, where everyone is. And, you know, give, give them a little bit more airtime and flexibility. Have it, and, and, you know, having the first baby as well, your whole life has changed when you come back. Mm. you've got not only you've got to get yourself ready you've got to get that person ready likelihood of you've had a good night's sleep is zero you've got to get childcare. you've got to run around you know and, and this is really really stressful so I don't know if I've gone off piece on my question but no no it's great I mean this is this is fantastic because you're absolutely right you know I mean what I really liked when you were talking was you, know, you have a five-year plan for your business some business might have a 10-year plan especially if you're investing in, in big cap, capex projects you know in, and probably you see some of those as well in your world don't you you know and, um, absolutely. 
But why is it then for our lives that we don't have a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, you know? And, and you're absolutely right, you know, for someone that's taken some time, you know, time out of out of the, the career just, you know, to have, to have a baby or for whatever reason, they might be, you know, might be adopting or might actually just need some break. They might be looking after elderly parents. It's all absolutely. sorts of Absolutely, caring duties as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. you know. So it's, it's the whole shebang, isn't it? But you're right. I really like that idea. You know, anyone listen, think about, think about a plan for your life. You know, and I think if you if you know what you're what you want uh, and your purpose and, and how it all hangs together, then you're much more able, aren't you, to sort of think of it in the whole round as opposed to, you know, it's a snapshot in time. You know, if we're looking, we're going to live long, healthy lives, you know, one year, two years, five years. It's relatively small piece of time out of your whole life isn't it at the end of the day but I, I love what you were saying about bringing you know bringing mums and dads back into work and, and and helping them on that journey because when they do get back once those fears and trepidation goes probably after the first couple of weeks they're back in it so much faster than they've probably told themselves you know 100 percent. and also even even those women I mean I had a conversation with my with my daughter um and we were towards, it was her old firm, actually. She was saying that, you know, someone she worked with had left. And it's not that she wanted to leave, but she said if she w- was going to leave, she has much more to think about in leaving because she's got to think about, you know, what the maternity package is where she is. Mm-hmm. And if she did leave, a man can just go and leave. A woman can't if she's thinking about starting a family in the next you know, one to five years, mm-hmm. she has to think, okay, if I leave today, I've got, and, and when I move jobs, what kind of maternity package have, how long have I got to be there for? Okay, I've got to be there two years, which means after two years, I then can start ha- having a family. So women have to think much more long term than men. Men can almost stand up and, and move in most cases. I'm probably generalizing here, but for a woman thinking about, because as I said at the beginning, you can't change biology. You know, a woman is going to have, you know, she's going to carry that baby for nine months. And she's going to, you know, medically, sometimes there are medical problems. Yeah, so there's a lot more for us to think about and, and how we support these women in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and actually having real conversations around this stuff, I think is so important. I mean, you know, I see it quite a lot where I think organisations sometimes are, they want to do the right thing and the intention is good, but they're almost too scared in case they get it wrong. And, and I think this comes up a lot in, in broader DNI, not just gender, you know, but just sort of the whole the whole topic of, of diversity and inclusion, equity and inclusion is almost like, well, well, what if I use the wrong word or I describe something wrong? So therefore, I, I'm backing away from it because I'm fearful of, of getting it wrong. Therefore, I won't, I, the business doesn't actually yeah. address it. They might want to. And I think actually it, uh, for a lot of a lot of the time, it's around saying, you know what, let's just have a real conversation. If we use the wrong words, we'll help each other get it right next time we know it's done in the right spirit but let's move forward you know in in this stuff uh, and I don't know if you if you found that I know you're really passionate about DNI and you have lots of conversations but I I honestly believe that some of it is that fear of getting it wrong so therefore they don't actually push forward as much as as much as they actually want to really it is, it is a fear and I slip up all the time I'm not going to say I'm perfect in all this I say the wrong word I say the wrong thing but I'm always open to being corrected. I I have no fear about that. Mm. Um, and I I think, yeah, I, I think at, at JLL we we have a fantastic network. We have many networks in in the different support systems. For instance, the L, you know LGBT Pride, whether it's neurodiversity, and that really really helps a firm as well get it right. And I think it's about having those uncomfortable conversations, isn't it? Yeah. And everything has to start with a conversation whether it's whether you feel you're being bullied or whether you feel that, you know, you, you need to take that maternity leave and how you're going to come back. Everything must start with a conversation. And that's where it all goes wrong is when you kind of ignore it and you don't kind of deal with it. That's just so heartbreaking. But I'm really proud to say that JLO has a, has a fantastic maternity package and paternity package. We're really supportive of those women and men who are about to embark on, on parenthood, whether they're adopting or you know or having those children very supportive of our, of our minorities as well as well as our lgbt we do an awful lot of work around that but it does start with a conversation and that's where networks bringing those like-minded people together you know telling stories getting external speakers in to say look this is my experience but not talking to the already converted 
I mean, there's no point asking, you know, the LGBT community saying, oh, let's get a great speaker in and only speaking to the LGBT community. We need to make sure that that speaker comes in to speak to the whole community. It's a bit like I've been to women's talk and only women have been there. And I'm like, God, if only the men had heard this, this is crazy. <laughs> like, like, just bring them in. They need to hear. And, and it's, I, you know, being a woman in work is not always a struggle. It is a pleasure. Yeah. It is a pleasure working. You know, I love working with men. I love working with women. And I also work with some extraordinary women. You know, we've got um, few, we've got a new CEO. Well, actually, she's not new now. I think she's be, I'd be criticised for that. She's been here two, two years now. A new CEO, um, Stephanie Hyde, who's phenomenally inspirational. And you can really see the difference of her new leadership. And in the valuation advisory team, we have Claire Macken. Um, she's new to post so she's been in post since September and you can and having a woman leader you can you know she's got a young family as Stephanie has as well and you can see that they're trying to make positive changes so the rest of us can follow the lead because you have you do what you're shown don't you 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 follow your leader and if your leader is always coming in working nine till five working seven till nine then you're expected to do that and I think with 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 difference particularly in a woman leader and particularly around Claire as well you know she's got a very young family and she's she'll work flexibly she'll work from home she'll come in the office and and it's just a fantastic leadership style that we can all follow I'm delighted to have her I love yeah. working with Claire no, that's no, that's fantastic. And let's talk about your role, um, Sasha. Yeah. Because you, you gave us a bit of a picture in terms of, you know, first job out of out of school, you know, fresh face, sixteen, going into the into the workforce. And here you are as, you know, COO, you know, in a big job, um, running a big team. Just talk about about sort of the the area that you cover a little bit. Just to, just to really. <laughs> I suppose it shows the difference from where you've come to where you are now and saying, and, and really to help people go, you know, if you've done it, this is possible for others as well. Um, oh, crazy. You know, yeah. So and and, talk, it, is, talk about and it, is, it is possible. I think, I think, although we're saying about an education, I do believe having an education, I would have got there faster. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's what I believe whether I'm right or wrong. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I kind of sit back now looking back and think, Oh, if you had an education, you probably might have got there a bit quicker because you they, they were always saying to me you know go and get an education go and educate get, get an education I don't want to do exams I don't want to do a course I just don't want it I'm fearful of it mm. I just not don't want to do it but my my life as a 16 year old as a office junior doing the photocopier which only took one piece of paper doing the archiving making the tea coffee go and get the biscuits the milk all of that and this is before computers by the way so when I started work in 1986, I think we did, we worked on typewriters. And so even technology in my life has just gone bananas. I remember seeing the first fax machine going, this is like, this is wizardry. Like, how did a piece of paper come out of there? And, um, and when we were able to see each other's files on a computer there. And when I got to jail, that was the first time I'd ever really experienced the internet mm. as well. Um, so my life, is very different and then as you know and you don't realize the difference until you kind of get much more senior I think going to JLL being a team secretary being involved I always put my hand up for things I always wanted to be part of networks I knew if I joined the gender balance group it was called the women's network then um that I would start to make a difference and I think that I think as well what's interesting when I look back on my careers I've sat on both sides of the table so I've sat taking the minutes in a meeting a boardroom and um and I've heard and seen bad behavior and I too always remember sitting there thinking oh you'd like this is so wrong where someone would say we don't want to promote her because she's going to be off having baby soon we don't want to promote that we don't want to give that person a job because they're black we don't have black clients um, we don't want to do that for this reason. I just remember thinking, this is just like, this is how I'm going to be treated. Mm. Like they don't want to do this because I'm this. So I've sat there silently kind of making notes and thinking, oh, if, I, if I'm the other side of that room, it's never going to happen. It's never. And now I am the other side of the room and just say, no, we are going to put, we are going to write a DNI plan. We are going to say there will be no same sex teams. We are going to say, like every into every single job that we offer has to, you know, that our talent acquisition team have to prove they've interviewed diversity and women as well to give everyone. I'm not suggesting they everyone gets the job. 
I'm saying it's a fair playing field. Yeah. And that's the difference I can make in this role is that I can say, look, let's look at this differently. And I can implement, you know, I implement and, you know, make sure processes work, making sure the right people in the right seat with the right tools. And that's basically my job. And I can influence that going back kind of 25 years, 30 years. I would have, even if I'd said that's wrong, I probably, you know, I would have scored my card. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people in lower role, you know, in, in lower grade roles just don't speak up or fear. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think you're right. And like you say, having sat on both sides of the table, it gives you a unique position. Oh, crazy. And I know who these people are. Yeah. <laughs> Probably want to punch him, punch him in the face at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. But yeah, well, hopefully, the, I mean, the world has moved on significantly. Oh, incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, you can really, really see the difference. Even when you come back, like we're all out of the office for what a year, eighteen months, and we go back, um, and you can see the difference. It's so. If I look back as I go in the office, I'll be in the office tomorrow. If I go back twenty five, thirty years. It is completely different. Even what we wear mm. is different. You know, when, when I first started uh, JLL, men were not allowed through reception without a tie or shoes or a suit. I mean, that's just, look back at that, that's crazy. You yeah. know, women had and were expected to wear tailored skirts and, and tights and, and court shoes and a, and a blazer. And that's what we all wore. What, going now, I mean slightly random what everyone's wearing I mean that's just it's just so lovely isn't it to see that change yeah well I think it it just uh, you know it means that there's a more relaxed atmosphere and hopefully people feel more able to to be more authentic and be themselves and you know with the value valuation advisory team that you've got and what what's a sort of a normal day for you Sasha you know obviously we spoke a lot about DNI and that's brilliant but you're also running a you know a commercial (laughs) commercial yeah. part of the business to, to actually deliver results so, so there is no normal day in this job <laughs> and I have to say when 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 I got the role of COO I always wanted it I mean that that's the other thing to say as well I I for years really wanted that COO job not only because I could make change is because the per, the people that were COO before me were role models to me like I looked at what they did and kind of looked at them and I was like that's that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. And it's about studying them as well. There's an element of saying, what skill do they have I don't have? And then just going, well, I don't have networking. You know, I, I need to do a bit more public speaking and kind of find those role models. I think if you find your role model in work, it will lead you to the right job. Mm. Uh, but my, my day, every day is different. I mean, and also it feels, I was saying to someone the other day, this job feels like a grenade is thrown at me and it's how quick I move from the shrapnel. <laughs> Sometimes it passes me and other times it lands. You're like, oh, am I going to deal with this? But yeah, valuations, by the very definition, we value properties. We value commercial properties as well as residential properties and hotels. We're in every sector um, and very, very large scale as well. I mean, we're one of the biggest real estate companies in the world and I'm really proud to work there as well the valuation team is is a mixture of different sectors industrial retail you know self-storage every sector you can think of and we value for our clients and we work very very closely with capital markets to ensure that that we value correctly in the market as well yeah but valuation is a very small part of of the big uh JLL picture we, yeah. we cover all all assets of real estate buying selling planning sustainability is is a huge part of us how how we you know how we work together you know to make the world a better place in particularly real estate Mm. yeah I mean I just just sort of calling back to what you said earlier that the perception is it's you know this is just about being an estate agent and clearly it's not and if you if you think about where real estate comes into it, you know, pretty much every aspect of people's personal life in terms of roof over your head, you know, investments, uh, commercial, you know, operations, factories, you you name it, it's it's huge, isn't it? So I think as a sector, like you were saying, you know, the career options are are vast, aren't they? So definitely. Phenomenal opportunities. And I always try, when I'm talking to, you know, I do a lot of grassroots and going into schools and that, kind of early careers element and going into schools and just saying look what do you want to be I want to work in marketing well there is a market you could do marketing in real estate you know I want to 
I want to be an engineer. Well, why didn't you think about this? So the, everything that most careers you can fit into real estate and, uh, yeah, come and join Jones Lang LaSalle. Great place to work. You're a good, you're a, you're a great advert for the company. Definitely. And I'm always listening with great interest, but because we have a property business ourselves. So, um, which is, which is, you know, separate to one of the businesses that I've got, but yeah, I, I'm really passionate about property. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's not just from a, a sort of a, a commercial business point of view, but actually, you know, for someone that's wanting to have, you know, passive income, another, another string to your bow, you know, property can be, can be a really great choice actually in terms of investments as well. So yeah, there's so many different things, isn't there? But that's brilliant. And let, let's talk a little bit, Sasha, about, you know, when, if you look back at, at kind of your, your, your early life, what are the things that have, held you back potentially through your journey during that you know for that you that you bring kind of with you we all bring a bit of baggage with us and sort of perspectives from from our our sort of early formative years what are the things that have held you back and the flip side to that is what are the things that have really helped you because of where you grew up and how you grew up and what have you because I think there's two sides to this isn't there yeah I think holding me back is me my confidence my lack of self-esteem I'm just not good enough. There's people with bigger brains than me. There's people more educated than me. I go to meetings even now. I'm just going, I understand what they're talking about, but I don't have that vocabulary. And I, most of the time I think I'm winging it. And I look at everyone else and I'm like, are you winging it too? Or is it just me? <laughs> they all like, are. <laughs> I don't know, because no one will admit it. <laughs> but I just like, is it me? Am I doing this right? And And the other weird thing is that I think when you get in leadership, people ask for your advice. I don't like, why are you asking me? And there was this real lack of confidence. Like, why are you asking me? Oh, I don't know. You do know. You do. Because you've been, you know, I've been, I've been working in real estate 36 years. So I've come across all sorts of products and problems and grievances, all sorts, all manner of things. But that is the, the scary bit. I think what's held me back is my confidence. And even when I talk to my team, um, I say, oh, I've got this podcast today. I've got to go in the panel. You're going to be great. You're going to be great. You know, you've got so much to say. And even even when we came on the on here before, I was like, I'm so nervous. And I don't, I'm, I'm no good at public speaking. Who wants to hear my story? Who cares? And, and that is that's really that self-crippling self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And I think had I had experience and you can't because this experience comes through true life um experiences in workplace and at home like there's a lot of things that we happen at home you know you 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 kind of draw on as well if I if I knew what I know now <laughs> everyone says this 20 years ago I would have done it quicker perhaps perhaps I don't know but yeah just me I just I just upset myself so much just negativity and lack of Oh, there's someone better than me. He's got a bigger brain than me. He's educated. He's got an MBA. You need to get an MBA. You know, oh, it kills me. Yeah, it's that little voice in our head, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, we all have it. It doesn't matter who you Um, are, what level you are in any organisation, you know, whatever you're doing, we all have those moments of self-doubt. I mean, we met at the Plan B conference, which has now been rebranded as Balance the Board, which I've been delighted about. And you were on the you were on a panel and, and telling your story, and I did a, a little bit of a, a keynote on imposter syndrome, and and you know we were talking about imposter syndrome, and literally every single person in the room said at some point I have felt you know feelings of doubt, insecurity, etc., regardless of whether they were men or women, and it was a good mix in the room, wasn't there? So I think you're right. We all have these little gremlins, and and I think it's how do you. How do you change the story? How do you tell yourself a different story? Instead of telling yourself all the things that you're not good at or you haven't got on this and the other, it's actually saying, what have I got? You know, I can do this. And and it's almost like a little internal dialogue training your subconscious brain um, to to sort of really tell yourself a different story. And I think we all have it. It's just that some of us cover it up better than others. And some people are less willing to talk about it because they see it as a weakness, whereas actually I see it as a total strength because you know if you can harness that well that's great nerves are a, a good it makes you means you care you know and all these kind of different aspects but yeah it's, it is interesting to hear your perspective and and the, the flip side to this Sasha is there will be things I'm sure that have kind of 
powered you forward or mm. made you more determined, more resilient, maybe more flexible, maybe more open-minded to people from different backgrounds and things. So what are the things that you have actually helped you, do you think, from given where you've come from? I think the one thing that I have is emotional intelligence. I think my background and being in that kind of environment growing up has, I'm very in tune with people and I've had to be, whether it be because of the things I've experienced you, you can spot someone's mood. You can spot someone's aura. I can really, really, I know who's authentic towards me and who's not. I know instantly. Um, and I'll still give everyone the time of day, whether I feel it or not. I treat everyone the same. Um, but I think I'm very, very emotionally intelligent. That has been my absolute superpower going through my career. And and where I where you hear someone gives you some advice, and you're just like, I know you are trying. You're not pulling. I really strongly believe in um, pulling. You know, make you don't pull the ladder up on people. Yeah, you bring everyone with you. And I've been in many situations where they've pulled the ladder up and said, Oh no 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 no, don't you do that? Or I've sent them some work and they've made it their own and given it to the bot. That that kills me. And I've had the ladder pulled up on me so many times. And every time I thought it's happened, I was right. Even, even now, I know. And I, and I never, ever, ever pull the ladder up on anyone. I always say to my team, come for my job. Like, see, come for it. Because if you get my job, I'm going up. And we all go up together. So, like, what skills do you need? How can I help you? Like, everyone play, also, everyone play their own instrument. Like you come to work, you stay in your own lane and you, you perfect that, absolutely perfect it. And then we'll go, then we'll upskill you in something else. And once you've got all the skills, then absolutely come for my job mm. because I'll be going up. And that's what we want, don't we? We want I want to bring all of my team, all of my department up and just have just the most. The thing about JLO as well is it's the people. That's the reason I've stayed there so long. And there's some amazing people that I work with, not only in my department, but actually all around JLL. I mean, because really, I, not everyone enjoys their job, but I think it, you if you have great people, inspiring people that you go in every day and they just inspire you and want to help you and they, they want you to have a really fulfilling, great career, you'll stay there when people leave is when they don't feel that the company that you are sent front and center of that company. I believe that, you know, the, the company I work for puts everyone front and center. They want you to grow. They want you to develop. They want to find you that next job. And that's what I try to do authentically. And I know who is, uh, who's not authentic. I'm very in tune with that. Yeah. <laughs> So watch out, people, because Sasha's got your number. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. No, but you're right. I mean, I think the point is, you know, what are they, what's the saying? A rising tide lifts all ships, you know, and, and I think that is, is, you know, a winning team, you know, a, a high-performing team wins together or not at all. And and I think that is that is the difference. And a lot of businesses don't realise that they don't recognise that you have winners and you have losers. Well, that's not a, that's not a high performing team. It's it, it really is that that trust, isn't it? That you can you all win together. Um, and, yeah. and and also thinking about like we we can only do what we can do in our jobs because we don't know what's going on above us. Like decisions yeah. are made above us that we've got no control over. So you know when I go. To, to work control what I can control I make sure that you know everyone is being treated equally and fairly has the same opportunity everyone is upskilled but then sometimes you do get that knock-on effect where decisions are made above you that you have no control just being mindful that you know make decisions at the moment now because you have no idea who is restructuring who is doing what somewhere else in that building that that could come and but just make sure that you've got the best people around you and you completely upskill them. Teach them everything that you've got, everything. Yeah. Because one day, and, and I don't get spiteful or hate it when any of my team leave. I just think you wouldn't have got that new job had it not been me. So I high five, off you go, stay in touch. 
I, I'm like, I'm just so sometimes so delighted when they move on. Well, it shows you've done a great job, doesn't it? In a way, it shows that you know, you've created an yeah. ambitious person that, that's then moving on to the next part of their journey. And and then, you know, your past might cross again in 10 years' time, 20 years' time. You just never know, do you? So it's always it's good. interesting as well you say that because I remember, I remember years and years ago, one of my old bosses said to me, you know, as you're going through your career, you know, all the people you work with are your peers and treat them with respect because as you go up you're going to end up in the boardroom and you're better off in the boardroom with friends than you are colleagues and I can honestly say that the um, senior management team that I'm currently on in in the valuation advisory team we have grown up and also some of our sector leads as well all of us have grown up through JLL and through real estate and we are now in the boardroom making some decisions and it's so much easier being with friends that people we know than it would be colleagues the, the decisions become easier the conversations become much more you know easier to have yeah that's great advice I mean again it comes back to that word trust doesn't it you know if you feel yeah. like the trust is there between you and this mutual respect you don't necessarily have to be everyone's best mate however if the trust is there then that for me is is at the heart of, of so much really in business life everything to be to be fair isn't it but um no it's fa- it's fascinating and you know if you were looking back and you were giving some advice to young Sasha um growing up what would it be be curious be curious, I think. Be curious. Um, set a plan. You know, I I always, you know, I do lots of mentoring in JLL and externally and always say to them, you know, go look in your firm, particularly when you first start a firm as well, look in your firm and find that role model. Because when if you, if you start going into a firm looking for a role model, you'll learn really quickly about the firm, mm-hmm. really, really quickly. Find the role model. And it can change. It can change, you know, year on, every six months. Find a role model and just start rowing towards them. Go and find the skills that they have. And if you need networking skills, go and get it. If you need, you know, LinkedIn learning is available. There's so much on YouTube. And it's just a what you don't have to do courses nowadays. You just Google it on. You just go on YouTube. Go and find those skills and just find that role model and I'm not suggesting you want to be like them, but it's their skills and it's their mannerism, how they got there. Look around for people that that inspire you as well, I would have said. You know, don't always go for the same. You know, I, I think the biggest thing for me is being curious and I'm incredibly curious. And I would say, well done on your emotional intelligence, because that is what, what helped. <laughs> Well, yeah, because at the end, you know, it always um, drives me crazy when sometimes people go, oh, it's only business, it's not personal. We go, well, actually, that's rubbish. I'm sorry. Business is about people. People is about emotions and caring and, and all that comes with that. So it's ne- it's not just business. It's, it, I don't think it is anyway. Other people might have an opinion. But for me, I think it's relationships, it's communication, it's respect. It's like you say, who, who else is who else is actually doing some really amazing stuff that can inspire and guide you and also learn from their mistakes right because listen we all make loads of lemon mistakes I always say listen I, I haven't got it all right you know you see people in a role or running a business or whatever it might be and it's really easy to judge isn't it you know everyone judges by Sasha Covington COO oh it's all right for you Sasha in your in your fancy job and they don't know the struggles that have gone on do you know what I mean or equally if, if a business fails or something happens everyone looks at that and points the finger well hang on a minute that person will have had lots of successes lots of wins they'll have learned a lot through the process all your judges by the end End game, absolutely. And actually, both those scenarios, you don't know what's gone on before. Um, So, you know, I think have an open mind. I think you're absolutely right. Be curious. Be curious. I think the other thing I was, the other thing I wish that someone had done, and I do this now all the time, is I always say to me, can you hear her or can you see her? And it's not always a her, to be fair, but let's just take it in that context. And that's around, I wish when I was in a meeting, do you know when you get invited to those meetings and you don't know why you're there? (laughs) <laughs> and you feel like you've got to say something yeah, yeah you still don't know why you're there 
or you go to a meeting, you've got so much to say, but you're not, but you're in a role where you don't think anyone's going to listen to you. So I always have a, I always, and this really came into, into power for me during lockdown when we was on Zoom calls, five or six people, you can only have one person at a time talking because it gets really messy, doesn't it? Mm. And I always, I always say to myself, can, can you see her? Can you, can you hear her? And if I see someone who's almost at the start of their career, I always, before I close any call, I would say, Jeanette, have you got anything to say? Have you got anything? And she'll go, actually, I have. And they're the most brilliant ideas. Mm, mm. Or if they say no, and I also do that for myself as well. And to say, if I go to a call and I'm, I'm really nervous and I you know, go to some of these big board meetings and I, I sit there and say can they hear me can they see me yes they can see me can they hear you and and you've got to try and you've got to try and pick that and it doesn't always work mm. but it's particularly powerful for your team that they have a voice and that's all about sponsorship isn't it yeah. and I, I have my I've got a few mentors uh, both externally and internally and that's one of the things they do they absolutely do for me if I'm in a if I'm in a really you know important meeting I know they're going to say can we hear you and they'll say oh Sasha do you have anything to say because they know I'm nervous so I'm just like I've yeah. got a lot to say but you try also trying to find particularly if you're in a, a, a meeting with a lot of men it's really hard for a woman to find the gap mm. I don't know if it's just me, but sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know when to come in. I don't know. And suddenly the conversation's moved on. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I said something. You beat yourself up. And then I've got, I do have people in the room who will say, oh, Sasha, what about you? And what do you have to say? I think that's great. That That's a great, like you say, you're leading with those behaviours yourself now, having been mm. sort of sitting in that seat feeling, oh, I've got something to say, or I'm too scared to say it, or, oh my God, when do I interject? And, and sort of not knowing that. And then it, then the moment going and then walking away feeling quite frustrated, actually, and annoying yeah. yourself often that you didn't you didn't speak. So I think it's great that you're leading with with that as a as behavior. And yeah, I, absolutely, you know, ask ask those questions, you know, can I can I see her or him or can I hear her or him? Um, and and really because especially I think when you when you get to a leadership role, you you often have quite strong personalities, quite quite sort of extrovert type yeah. people in leadership roles, you know, for obvious reasons, right? because get stuff done it's action and come on inspire the world and everyone follow me and that's great however you know if you're a, if you're more of an introverted personality and you maybe you're more into the details or a bit more aware of, of the team etc that's not necessarily the right environment for you to thrive but that does not mean that you haven't got absolutely amazing things and ideas to share and I think being aware of that and your emotional intelligence point I think if you're aware of different personality profiles and types you know whether it's through psychometrics or yeah. whatever it can really help a team dynamic you know because if you know that someone is is very blue and detailed and you're very kind of red come on let's go 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 actually you need to communicate differently to get the best out of that person doesn't mean to say you change your personality but it means that you probably soften the edges yeah. to bring that person in and, and I think that is a real skill and it comes with a bit of age I think and, and sort of experience doesn't a bit it of maturity doesn't it yeah. I think so I think I would also you know so I would definitely say you know be curious Sasha, make sure, can you see me? Can you hear me? And I think the other thing is um, always question yourself. What, you know, particularly in appraisals, we all do appraisals and um, and and making sure that my appraisal was really rich mm. and it never, sometimes it never was. It was just, oh, you've done a great, you've had a great year, thanks, bye. And asking the question, you know, what can I do to get to the next level? I wish I'd asked that earlier on. What do I need to do to get to the next level? Mm. I mean, I don't. I mean, I could give you a story of, of where that went badly wrong. I'll come on to that. But um, what do I need to get to the next level? And tell me what I should stop, start, continue. What do I want me to stop doing? What do you want me to start doing? What do you want me to continue doing? And those three words actually form the basis of all my appraisals with my team. Mm. We start the meeting, stop, start, continue, and then I ask them to do it on me, which is really harsh. <laughs> <laughs> No, you like, got That's gotta... how I learned. Yeah. Like, Sash, you start taking holiday. You know, you stop interfering. And these, these, that, those three words, I think, 
um, are the most powerful uh, performance-related words. Because if you if you're finding a, a someone challenging, or you can say, "Well, let's go through stop, start, continue." Or can you stop doing this? Mm. Or can you? Or they're not kind of, or or in the project, and you've asked them several times to do something. Like, can you continue? Can you start? You know, they're just the most three powerful words in in objective. I just think it should be standard. Objective, stop, start, continue, and do it on the reverse because that's how I've changed my my leadership style through the feedback from my team. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's super simple, right? You know, we're not trying to split the atom, but often the simple mm. things really really have the biggest impact. I love that. And yeah, you're right. Feedback is the breakfast of champions, Sasha. Um, but sometimes it it's hard to receive it in the spirit of which it's given, uh, depending on what's been said. But yeah, that's where the growth comes and the self-awareness. It helps with the whole shebang. So tell me about your story then when you... When yeah, you so it was actually about, I, I think, I, you know, if you'd asked me what advice... Because I know you said what advice would I give my younger self, but there is a there was a we meant I just mentioned where you say, look, what do I need to get to the next level? How do I do it? Mm. And a real big turning point for me was about four four years ago, maybe I can't remember about four years ago, and I I kind of I was at associate level. I wanted to get to director. I was doing everything everything I possibly could do that I thought I should do. And I went to someone quite senior and said, look, what do I need to do to get next level? Like, please tell me, because I I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here. Something's going wrong. And they said, you will never be a director. It just won't happen. You're a woman. You're uneducated. And your accent, it just doesn't fit with, uh, with this firm. Wow. I remember sitting there thinking, oh, wow. So I've just done all this. 20 years what do I do I was just this almighty blow and then clearly the first thing's fine I'm gonna leave and I remember going and and I you know we were talking around what what I should do to change that it was like oh you need to go and get an, you know you need to go and get educated what about an MBA okay so I went home and I said to my husband that I've had this really difficult conversation it's never gonna happen I don't know what to do I'm gonna go I'm gonna go get an MBA. That's what I'm going to do. And he was like, okay, how much is it? I'm like, 50 grand. He was like, there is no way on this earth we are spending 50 grand on your education. It's going on the mortgage. So get that. That's not happening. Like, stay as you are because that's where you, because of who you are is how you've got where you are. Just keep going. And so I kind of went back into work and thought, do you know what? He's right. I, I don't, if I had an MBA 25 years ago, the MBA, you know, technology and the, and the business world has changed so much. Would it have been any use for me now? Possibly. I would have known how to write a really decent essay, done a beautiful dissertation, I'm sure. But um, that was one of my pieces of advice where the, this advice said, you know, go and get an education. I'm like, do you know what? I, do, I, I will never stick it out. I'm going to waste all this money. And that is a big investment to make to go. I don't need a certificate. Yeah, and that was uh, so. But I'm glad I asked the question. I always do ask the question: What do I need to do to get to the next level? Because if you don't ask it, and you come out of your appraisal, promotions happen, and then people wonder why they weren't promoted. I'm like, well, did you ask? <laughs> did you ask what you needed to do? No. Well, then, how are you meant to know? Yeah. It's also, there's also an expectation on the line manager to make sure that you do ask, stop, start, continue. You know, you're on the right path, continue on the right path. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's brilliant. I love that. I love that. But yeah, how shocking that that conversation actually even happened. But even though when I talk about it, it's just so upsetting because other people, there will be thousands of people that have had that said to them that, you know, your accent has set you back. You'll never do this because your accent, you'll never do this because you're a woman, you'll never do this because you're uneducated. And it's completely, it will take us longer. It's taken me longer, perhaps because of those because of those three things but you know I got to the COO role and I can tell the story people want to listen to the story to say it's not bloody true <laughs> seriously I still talk the same still a woman nothing's happened <laughs> exactly still no but it's hurtful isn't it I mean I was listening to it. I listened to it. 
I listened to a lot of motivational videos and stuff on YouTube and I was listening to one, it was um, Sylvester Stallone, quite recent actually. And he was talking about how, when he was trying to make, you know, make it in the movies and everyone told him, you know, you'll never make it. You you, you look like a thug. You, you've got a funny accent. You know, you slur your words. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never make it. And he said, you know, and he was talking about how they were like verbal bullets and it really yeah. shredded him at the time. And, and and actually what he then did, he he started writing and he wrote his way into his future. And, and that's kind of how he described it. But it was it was quite it was interesting because you know everyone has their struggles. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, maybe that was the the turning point to make you realize yourself that you are good enough. Yeah, and actually, I mean, I remember that evening meeting someone who was a who was a life coach and a, an executive mentor, just so everything happens for a reason. And that evening I met, I met this, I knew him, but I had a conversation about this particular topic. And um, he massively, massively helped me. Um, being external as well really helps because they're not, you know, they can be objective. They don't know the firm and, and the corporate world, no matter what industry you're in, it's kind of the same. It's a maze. There's loads of red tape. You know, I'm, I've decided now that everyone is winging it. I'm not the only one. <laughs> so I'm just the only one who's admitted it. Um, but, yeah, and, and he massively helped me on how to navigate. Um, and our aim together, we set some goals together. Um, our aim was to be director within a year and then to become COO within three years. And we did that. And that was really, and he, he had no influence over JLL. And I think it was really about his mindset, my him changing my mindset to say, you know, why are you getting an MBA? That's mad. Just because you're a woman, that's brilliant. You know, let's look at your profile internally, externally. And what is really, and when I became COO, it's now what is, what stage do you want to stand on? Like be, be known for something, leave a legacy. That's, I mean, that's why we're working, aren't we? You know, I want to leave, it's really important I leave a legacy. Uh, not only at JLL, but actually just so I can stand back and after I retire and go back and go, do you know what? I did make a difference. You know, the world, you know, the firm I work for looks really, really different now. And I'm remembered for something really positive and just find my centre stage and what, you know, just find that what it is. And I, I fell in, as I say, you know, D&I kind of, these opportunities come to me. I've never asked to be interviewed. I've never asked to be on a panel. And I think I found my stage now just to, ensure that everyone everyone regardless who you are um has a fair crack at it and social mobility goes through every single you know characteristic it doesn't matter and and that's what i think and also social mobility is not you know you, you can still discriminate against it that's the saddest bit it's not a protected characteristic which is so sad and you make you know you can be black, Asian, gay. You there were still elements of social mobility going through that. Can you change it? Don't know, but you know, just make sure everyone's got a fair, absolutely fair playing field to get into these big, big corporate firms. Yeah, brilliant. No, I absolutely love it, Sasha. So listen, we could chat all day, couldn't we? My God, <laughs> I told you, I told you we wouldn't be short of things to talk about. Um, but listen, when you look back over your, you know, very interesting, colourful life and journey that you've had, um, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've been given? I mean, you have shared some golden nuggets already. I'm not sure there's any any other lasting thoughts that you, that stand out for you on that topic. I think my my advice would be curious, and it would also be look after look after early careers. Yeah, they have a voice. Everyone brings something to the table. Like the person, the youngest person in my team is just as valid valuable to me than one of the directors, even more so because she keeps the ship going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just look after those early people. Don't ignore them just because they're paid less than you. They've still got life struggles. They're still going to get up at the same time as you, get into work. You know, some of them could have children trying to juggle all these things. Like, look after look after the early careers and, and give them a chance and upskill them, definitely. Yeah, brilliant. No, that's fantastic. And if you had any um, any bad advice, well, I guess your bad advice was go and get an MBA, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think if there's good advice or bad advice, just, was it good advice that didn't do it? Who knows? Is it bad advice? I don't know. Bad advice. I don't really know. Do we ever get bad advice? I think, I don't know. 
I don't really have any, I don't have any bad advice as such that I remember. Just asking, my, my, my advice would be don't ask, what do I need to get to the next level? But that's just the wrong thing to say because I got the answer I didn't want, so don't do that, always ask. I don't have any that I can think of. You're such a positive, rosy person, you see. That uh, my world is full of unicorn and rainbows. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. So listen, the last question then, Sasha, given this podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant, what does that mean to you? Uh, I think stick to what you believe. I don't think leadership are bold enough. I really don't. I, I think I'm bold. I think I'm fearless. I think I know about d and I want to take take change. Um, it's not lip service to me. You have to take direct action if you want the best possible workplace for your best, you know, for your for your colleagues and the people you want to work for you. I think, and I think by that, and making these changes just won't hurt. It's only positive. It just it will never hurt. It's just be positive, and also just stick your head above the parapet. I think by doing that, you'll be brave. I think you'll be bold. And it's a bloody brilliant idea. Love it. I think that's what I want to say. Fantastic. Yeah, just be, yeah, just, just, I don't think we're bold. I don't think we're brave enough. I don't think leadership are. Well, you clearly are, Sasha. That's for sure. So I'm loving it. But listen, thank you so much. It's been amazing. Thank you.